And welcome into the Solidarity Sports Network. We are back. Week three action underway with a terrible Thursday night game, as always. And as always, I am joined uh, with Stevan Smith. What's up, guys? Three weeks in already. And we also got John Paul Jackson wrecked. Howdy. And it's me, your host, Tyler Kessner, and we are going to get into it today. On the docket, we got uh, some buy low or sell high teams. We're looking at which 2-0 teams are legit and which aren't. We got panic or patience, which 0-2 teams are we going to wait for or uh, think that they're uh, just done? Uh, we're also going to talk about some of this running back injuries that have plagued the league in the first couple weeks. And then finally, Mahomes resetting the quarterback market with another huge deal. And so we'll get into that as well. But starting, of course, buy low or sell high. Uh, some surprising 2-0 and teams. Um, I, actually, I wouldn't necessarily think that I would have put any of these teams necessarily to be 2-0. and So definitely a lot of surprises. Um, and uh, we'll get into it. Uh, Steven, why don't you kick us off? Okay, so I wouldn't say for me it was surprising because I picked them to win the division this year, but the Miami Dolphins look like the best team in the league right now. Uh, them, them and the Niners, but they're 3-0, and so like they're like kind of a separate category or whatever because they got to play on Thursday night. We'll see what the Dolphins get to do against Denver today, which, spoiler alert, they're probably going to lack some. Um, but the Dolphins' offense is just like – with Tua behind, with, with Tua there, you know, like he just makes everything work. You know, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you know, they, they got these uh, like Braxton Berrios and Craycraft are getting touchdowns now, and you know, Raheem Mostert had like a huge, you know, rushing lane because they were able to get a couple of, you know, shots downfield early in the game versus the Patriots and everything. You know, Tua obviously he's you know probably one concussion away from ending his career, but they say that in the off season he bulked up a little bit. He strengthened like the muscles in his neck, you know, stuff like that. He, you know, um, it worked on getting the ball out quicker and throwing it away and everything. So he has taken every precaution imaginable. They also put something on the inside of his helmet too, like some more padding or whatever on it. Oh, wow. So that him and the Dolphins have taken every precaution necessary to make sure that he doesn't get a concussion or to, you know, lessen the blow of, of a concussion if he gets one, because obviously you never know. So I think that with Tua behind, with Tua as their quarterback, the Dolphins are Super Bowl contenders. They look like probably the best team in the AFC right now. And I think that, you know, with the division, you know, the Jets aren't, you know, with Aaron Rodgers injury and, you know, the Bills are kind of off and on or whatever. I think they could easily, you know, be like the one seed or the two seed, you know, win a home playoff game, go to the AFC championship game type of deal. And you could easily see them go into the Super Bowl this year because their offense is that good. And their defense, while it's not great, it's opportunistic. Like in the game against uh, the Chargers, yeah, they gave up 34 points. But in the last drive of the game, they sacked Herbert twice to win the game. So like they've, they've had a very opportunistic defense and like they, they get timely sacks and timely turnovers. So yeah, I'm, I'm buying all the Dolphin stock that I can. And just to briefly mention a team that I that I don't believe in that's two and zero. I don't believe in the Saints. Like the Saints' red zone offense, they've only gotten like two touchdowns and like eight trips or something like that. Derek Carr only has one touchdown pass. Like they're, they're not a legitimate two and zero team. Yeah, uh, totally agreed. Solidarity with uh, both of those takes. The Dolphins, yeah, have been just just I, I, unbelievable. I mean, the speed mm-hmm. also. I mean, you talk about Mostert, Waddle, Yeah, they got like the Hill. 44 fastest people in the league. They showed yeah. like in the Patriot game all their 40-yard dash <laughs> times. You know, Mostert's obviously like 30-something, so he's not as fast as he used to be, but he still, you know, burst through the hole against the Patriots and got that long touchdown. Yeah. So, like, they have some <laughs> of the fastest guys in the league. Waddle's fast. Hill is the, like, the fastest guy you've probably ever seen on an NFL, on an NFL field. So, yeah, they're, they're, they got it. They got it going on right now. Apparently, Mostert said he may be 31, but he plays like he's 26. And I'm like, well, that's still not that damn great. Yeah, you're doing for a right. running back, yeah, for a <laughs> yeah. running back. All yeah, right. He was a special uh, teamer for like the first seven or eight years of his career, and then the, the Niners had a bunch of injuries, and then he became the starting running back. So maybe that's yeah. what he's kind of referring to. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, JP, you got a pick for us? Yeah, so this uh, – we we called this at the beginning of the season, so it's not that much of a surprise, I guess. But the Falcons being legit, um, three 
I don't think anyone saw this coming. Three teams in the uh, NFC South are two and zero. Yeah. Uh, Stephen already Disgusting. highlighted the Saints. Fake. Uh, don't believe in them. The Bucks are surprising. <laughs> I. They're helmed by Baker Mayfield, which makes me think that eventually that will come to an end. It's like a yep. Brian Fitzpatrick. The clock has started. It's when it hit, hits midnight. Nobody knows. But um, the Falcons are the only ones that are legit. We highlighted it uh, preseason that you know th- this was our favorites to take the NFC South. Uh, the first game against the Panthers, obviously, you know, no big deal. Uh, the second game against the Packers, I think, was a lot more convincing. They showed a lot of grit here. Yeah, uh, yeah they and- came back and they won, yeah. And I'm going to caveat this by saying I wouldn't be shocked if they end up two and two. That being said, the next two games are their hardest two games of the season. Uh, after this, I mean, all, all of the games that looked tough on their schedule have melted. You know, the Bears have melted. Uh, the Jets have melted. Uh, the Vikings aren't doing great either. Uh, you know, all these tough games, you know, out of division games that they had. I mean, their division is weak, so those games are already going to be pretty favorable to it uh to atlanta but then the you know they're out of division games that you know at the beginning of the season looked like these tough opponents that might challenge them you know due to injuries or other reasons they've just folded so you know you've got uh you've got another game against the panthers you've got two games against the saints two games against the buccaneers uh and then the rest you have against titans cardinals vikings jets you know like this is just a very good schedule for them so i think they're here to stay i don't think i you know again they might go to two and two, but they're going to win a most most of their games after that. And if they manage to upset the Jaguars uh, or the Lions, you know, and I think they they have a very serious shot against the Lions. The Jaguars, I mean, I think anyone has a shot against the Jaguars. They're a very good team, but they also have the Seahawks tendency of playing down to their opponent. So, uh, you know, I, I I think they could take both of those games even, and they could end up in a higher seed. So, uh, I they're they're looking great. So, uh. That that's I definitely think the Falcons are legit this year. I completely yeah. agree with you, uh, man. Uh, first of all, I'm I'm picking the Falcons as my upset of the week on the road against against Detroit. So I I agree with you; they could upset Detroit. But also, you know, I'm like the anti Arthur Smith guy on this show. Uh, as a fantasy owner and a, and a and a fantasy player, I hate what he does to us a lot of the time. But uh, one thing I will say is he's a good coach. He he like a, as from like a real football coach standpoint, like X's and O's, he is a very very good coach. Like when he got the Falcons, they were four and twelve. They were terrible. He's gone seven and ten the last two years, and then now they're two and zero. Oh, so I really do think that Arthur Smith is a is a great coach. I just wish that he would give a little bit more, uh, you know, clarity to us fantasy owners about when he's going to throw Drake London the ball and when he's going to, you know, have him have one target for zero yards. But I, but anyways, in real football terms, yeah, Arthur Smith is a great coach. I definitely trust him to, you know, in those situations. I mean, I think the Falcons have made it perfectly clear what, uh, what the game plan is. It's going to be run, run and run it some more. Well, last you, week, you Drake start- London had, well, last week, Drake London had eight targets for 67 yards and a touchdown. So like clearly, you know, I, I don't want to like go on a rant or like anything like that, but like, it's just one of those things where you don't know the week that he's going to decide to actually use pits and, and yeah, whatever. And so that, that makes so, pits and Drake London liabilities every single week. You start yeah. them at your own peril, exactly. but, but, uh, Bijan and Algier are locked and loaded, um, and, and you're going to start. Love them. me some so, Bijan Robinson. Yep. Yeah, Bijan. Bijan's looking like the guy. Um, yeah, I'm super excited with the, what the Falcons have done. The Packers game did show some grit. They had a defensive stand. Jordan Love also had a brain fart in um, yeah. handling the ball, so that might have affected it too. But hey, a win is a win, and um, Desmond Ritter is going to be able to come along a little bit slowly. They're not forcing him to pass. So, you know, that might help his development and, uh, and we'll see. I'm, I'm really excited for them. Um, so since I agree so much with the, uh, Falcons and the Dolphins, um, I'm going to go with, uh, a different team to try to buy into. And this one might be a little more obvious, but, uh, again, yeah, the Falcons and Dolphins, I can't agree more with, uh, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys, uh, cause the Cowboys have definitely looked apart. I mean, the week one performance, a 40 to nothing win on Sunday night football. There's not, no, you can't start better than week yeah. one, uh, two yeah. defensive scores. I mean, or a special team, whatever. Yeah. Two defensive scores. And, um, just complete dominance. And then 
last week. Who did the Cowboys play last week? They played the Jets. The Jets. The, the Zach, yes. Zach Wilson-led led, um, New York Jets. Yeah, and they didn't um, – I mean, they didn't get trapped by that. They didn't falter. They didn't play down to the Jets level. They stuck to their thing. Dak Prescott had a much better game than he did week one because he didn't have to do anything week one. And now this week they play the Cardinals. So we're sure. looking at another 40-0 to zero win. Um, and, and I think they're just going to be sailing. This defense is – I mean, the 49ers and the Cowboys have the two best defenses in the league, mm-hmm. and it's not even close. Uh, the Cowboys play with such control. Like, they just they just control the offense. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Micah Parsons will be the next highest-paid defensive player in the NFL. Uh, back up the bankroll because it's going to be maybe $40 million, right? I think Bosa just did 34. So, yeah, Parsons is going to be 35, 40 million easily, and he deserves every penny of it. Um, I am concerned that Trayvon Diggs tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Yeah. So that does weaken the Cowboys secondary. But I just think that their pass rush is so strong that against a lot of teams, they're not even going to get to try to attack the secondary because they're just going to beat them to the throw. Um, and then the offense, Tony Pollard is looking like a starting running back. Um, you know, we have a couple guys this year, you know, you talk about Madison, you talk about Khalil Herbert who were backups that got the chance to start and aren't really looking like it. But Tony Pollard is. He's involved in the passing game, the run game. CeeDee Lamb is turned into a certifiable stud in my mind. So, the, I mean, the, the this is the one team that the defense is as good as the offense. The 49ers, you can still mm-hmm. look at and say, yes, Purdy, Purdy has been playing great, but he's not an elite quarterback. Dak is in, for better or worse, some weeks he's not. but by and large, he's in that elite tier. So this is a team that the offense is as good as the defense, and I, I think they're going to coast. They're definitely going to make the playoffs. They might not win the division because of the Eagles, but they're going to make the playoffs, and they will get at least one playoff. Yeah, my only – I completely agree with Dallas. Uh, like like I said before in the previous episode, I had Dallas's uh, defense and special teams in our fantasy league, you know, the, the week one, and they just – they scored 35 points. They were my highest scoring player that week so it was it was great but my only I guess slight pushback on Dallas is like they haven't played a real team yet and then they won't and so that defense hasn't really been tested like we all see the Giants aren't as good as they you know used to be like that they were last year um you know the, the they got the Zach Wilson Jets you know immediately after Aaron Rodgers got hurt which you knew he was going to struggle like with all the pressure on him and stuff like that and then this week they get the Cardinals who are tanking. I mean, they, they gave up a 28 to seven lead against the giants. Like they're tanking clearly. So yeah. So like, I, I'll have to like reserve my, you know, ruling, I guess on, on Dallas to, to where like, we'll see what they do against the Eagles. We'll see, like, I think they play the Niners this year. We'll see what they do against that Niners offense. So like, I agree with you. They look dominant. They look like the best team in football right now, if we're being honest, but like, also, their competition hasn't been that great. So we'll have to see what they do against like a, one of the contenders. Yeah, and there's something to be said about having some of those uh, confidence builder games. I mean, you look at, you know, Georgia plays Georgia Southern or whoever in week one, and they win 80 to yeah, zero. What I talk about easy schedules, Georgia has like the easiest ske- schedule in the SEC in like the last 20 years or something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. So th- there's something to be said about those, uh, you know, cakewalk games that build your confidence to carry you through the good competition. But yeah, we'll see the Eagles. If they play the Niners, that's going to be freaking awesome. So uh, hopefully we get some good matchups there. Um, and so with that, we'll turn to the 0-2 teams. And are there some that we're willing to wait on or some that we're hitting the panic button? Uh, Steven, you can kick us off. Okay, so I'm going to go with, obviously, I have two teams here. Both of them play each other today. I bet on the Los Angeles Chargers to win the Super Bowl, mainly because I thought they'd win 10 games and get my $50 back. And also, I bet on the Minnesota Vikings to win the division. I'm going to say that I am not panicking on the Vikings just yet. I think they will win this game. I think that Detroit, you know, if they lose to Atlanta and then, you know, the Packers gave up... um, you know, like a, a big comeback to Atlanta also. So, you know, Atlanta's, you know, kind of helping my other bet there. But, like, everybody, there's no 2-0 and o teams in their division. So, like, they're only one game out. So, like, even though they're 0-2 and they shouldn't be 0-2, I think that you can't really hit the panic button on them just yet. If they win this game, they're still, they're still like, right in, it, right in the mix. 
The Chargers, I think it is time to panic, mainly because their defense is just, it's not its not just like bad to the point where they give up a bunch of points. It's bad to where it basically costs them, it's cost them all of their games so far. So against the Dolphins, they the, the Chargers offense has scored 58 points in two weeks. They have given up zero turnovers and they're 0-2. That is because it's not, and you know, Dicker is perfect. It's not because they've missed any kicks. Their defense is just like, they, they get penalties all over the place. They, you know, they'll they'll get interceptions or whatever, but then they'll like miss, you know, Tyree Kill down the left side. Like, how is Tyree Kill wide open, like 50 yards down the field? Like, that's ridiculous. And then, you know, against Tennessee, they let Ryan Tannehill <laughs> manufacture a game-winning drive. Like, come on now. So, like, their defense is going to be their undoing. I think, in fact, I hope that they go to 0-3 so that they can fire Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley is not a good coach. He's not the coach for them. He's supposed to be a defensive coach, and they have, like, the worst defensive football. So, Oh, wow, think, he's a defensive coach? Yeah, he was, like, a defensive coordinator from where he was from previously. I can't remember off the top of my head. Wow. But, but like, the offense is clearly working. Justin Herbert, throughout his whole career, has been completely let down by this defense. He passes for 300 yards and multiple touchdowns every single week only to, you know, end up losing or end up having to manufacture like a like a game-tying drive or something like that. So, yeah, like I, I think it's time to panic on the Chargers because their defense really is that bad. And, again, I'm, I'm hoping that they, they lose this week, go to 0-3, and they fire Brandon Staley. You know, maybe they'll pull, appoint Kellen Moore to the interim head coaching position. That'd be kind of interesting. And then, you know, maybe they can go out and get Eric Bieniemy. You know, Eric Bieniemy quietly, the commanders are 2-0. I don't really believe in them or anything, but the commanders had like one of the worst offenses per like play last year. They're averaging 28 points a game now under Eric B and the chiefs offense, which is like historically great. All of a sudden can't score without Eric B So Eric B mm-hmm. is all of a sudden like looking like, I know it's early, but he's looking like a guy that you want as like your head coach to run your offense. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, this is a bit of a like way down the road, but I'm hoping that they fire Brandon Staley and replace him with Eric B that would be great for the Chargers. But yeah, like like patience on the Vikings, full panic on the Chargers. Yeah, I think my outcome on this one will be dependent on who wins the game today. Um, so I guess we'll see about that. Um, well, even if the, I guess like maybe the other flip side of it, even if the Vikings go 0-3, they're, none of the teams in the, like the Detroit looks okay, but they don't look great. And then Green Bay looks okay. They don't look great. Like if anybody can come back from an zero and three and win a division, it's it's the it's the Minnesota Vikings. Like in their in the division currently. So like the division is completely wide open. Yeah, that them. is true. But I'm, I'm just so. saying, if the Chargers win today, I won't be as panicked. Yeah. Um, and I I don't think that the the Chargers would fire their head coach after three games. They should. Um, <laughs> I mean, no, I agree with you. They should have done it in the off season. They they replaced the OC and scapegoated him, which he also needed to go, but. Um, yeah, I just, I don't see it because I think they are a team with aspirations and I think replacing your head coach midseason is just, I mean, wasn't it a thing like the Raiders with Bisaccia was like the first team to make the playoffs after changing their head coach midseason. So I just, I don't think the odds are good with that. I well, think it's not, to... it's, it's like three games in. So like, I oh, think in, if you. Within the season. I, well, whether I, you no, want to say game eight or nine. No, I get but... what you, I'm not getting caught up on the semantics. I'm just saying like, if you fire your coach three games in, I think that gives you a chance to like, maybe you, the next three games you go like two and one or something like that. And that gives you, you know, a little bit more time to kind of, you know, rally around the new coach or whatever. Because like, the, again, the Chargers are, are like, offense is just like, historically good it's just like you know like they're gonna be in like pretty much every game that they play like they're never out of a game but yeah i just think brendan staley is not it and he needs to go as soon as possible yeah all right uh jp what say you i think this one's fairly obvious um and i i guess sort of instead of analyzing I'm, I'm taking more of a macro perspective to these like i was talking about with the dolphins is their schedule and their division for the same reasons I'm saying be patient with the Bengals. Uh, they're they're just yeah. they've had some rough games, but at the same time, the only competition they've had is the Ravens, and that was a close game. And that's 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 who they're going to be fighting this division for. Uh, if if they don't go for a wild card, yeah, with spot. Chubb with Chubb gone from the Browns, yeah, like that's yeah, I mean much... with Chubb gone from the Browns, Deshaun Watson looking like just complete shit. 
uh, and Pittsburgh. I, I never had faith in Pittsburgh. I know you did, but I just I don't believe in Kenny Pickett. Um, I just don't think he can lead that kind of winning. Yeah, I, I don't I, think I, he can compete against the Ravens. And, yeah, and I'm completely you know, down. Talking about looking like shit, Najee Harris. Yeah, Najee. Like yeah, that you know, <laughs> it's just they have too many holes to compete with. Like. You know, as, as I said before the season, this is the Bengals' last shot, really, with the core that they've built. Uh, they will, they, their owner has stated they will not be able to keep Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, which means the T. Higgins is gone. And uh, so, you know, the the Steelers won't be able to keep up with keep up with that. The Browns have lost too many weapons to keep up with that. It's all about the Ravens. They narrowly lost to the Ravens. You know, I don't think that's. You know, the first game was disappointing. The second game, they lost in a in a tough game. You know, it's not they're not they're not getting beaten bad. They can come back from this. They've been there before. They have the veterans and the experience to come back with that. You know, Joe Burrow, uh, you, you trust him to to come back from something like this. So yeah, I'm I. It's hard for me to think that they're going to stay down. I think they bounce back to two and two, and they're right back in it. So yeah, I mean the the Bengals are the team that. They started off slow last year, and they just have the talent to overcome. Joe Burrow is also dealing with the calf injury, mm-hmm. so um, you know you hope he's that questionable he, for Monday Night Football too. So, like, we'll see if he even plays. Yeah, I think with the extra day, I don't see him not playing. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's always a possibility. And um, yeah, I mean, they just have the talent to overcome. At the end of the day, um, I actually saw just earlier uh, this morning a way too early mock draft that pr- projected like what if the Bengals just like sat burrow and just you know mulligan to this year and um and then they drafted marvin harrison, harrison jr, jr. Oh yeah to replace God. t higgins basically wow yeah. that would be that would be wild <laughs> so range of outcomes for the Bengals, but yeah they have the talent to prevail um so i, I i'm i'm in full solidarity with these patients picks um I think if the Chargers win today, I'll be a little bit patient with them. But if they lose, complete panic button. I agree with that as well. Um, my panic team is going to be um, not a team that we're panicking because they were going somewhere. Like with the Chargers, we thought that they had an opportunity and they're blowing it. Uh, this is a team that had not a lot to work with and they're still failing at every aspect of the game. And it's the Bears. The Chicago Bears are in their whole organizational structure is in panic. Um, the, I mean, this coach, I don't think is, is doing anything. The play calling was a problem last year. The, like the play calling is still a problem this year. There's been no improvement in the offense just at all in any phase you add in DJ Moore and DJ Moore has made some dynamic Well, week one. He didn't do anything week two. He got some dynamic plays. He was relevant in the game plan. Um, but I mean, they're still wasting Cole Komet. You got Darnell Mooney, you got Chase Claypool that they still traded essentially a first round pick for (laughs) number 32. And they just fail to incorporate him in any way. You saw how Pittsburgh used him. He he could get some jet sweeps. He could get some carries. He, he would get some screens. He was all over the place. He was useful and how the bears have failed. I mean, that's just an indictment on, on their organization and their offensive structure. And then most importantly, Justin Fields is not it. Um, You know, his his rookie year, he split the carries with Dalton. Last year was his first shot. And you're like, okay, this is his first year really starting. So, um, you know, let's give him another chance. A full offseason as the starter, undisputedly. They never talked about drafting anybody. In fact, they traded away the first overall pick. That was a full support behind Justin Fields. That's all they did this offseason. They gave him a wide receiver one. And he he just doesn't have it. I mean, I'm sure everybody has seen some of these replays where he is standing in the pocket, looking at a wide open receiver, and then tucks the ball and runs into alignment. It's just <laughs> maddening. Yeah. He, he there was there was a, a wide open touchdown that he just didn't didn't see. He didn't throw it. I don't know if he's failed to make a mistake or whatever the case may be. And then when he's choosing to run it. The pocket's already collapsed because he's waited too long with missing the read. So he just either needs to run first and ask questions later or learn how to throw the football. Um, and, and then, of course, there was the defensive touchdown where from his own goal, from his own end zone, he just throws, airmails it and lets, lets somebody walk right into the end zone one yard away. 
I mean, it's just been atrocious. Um, and and I told you, if you bet on Justin Fields for MVP, you burned your money, and it's coming true. You're not getting so anything true. back. I'm sh- you so probably can't true. even cash out of that shit. <laughs> Justin Fields At this is point, yeah. awful. He's awful. I don't think I don't think he finishes the year as the starting quarterback. I don't know what backups they have. Okay, maybe they call in Carson Wentz. At this rate, he is not finishing the year as the starting quarterback. You can book that. We can come back to this in week ten when I think he's already out. Um, and uh, and at this rate, the Bears should should go for the number one pick and and take Caleb Williams. I mean, there's really just no debate about it. Um, and, and yeah, so full panic. And the defense is not doing anything to save them either. Uh, this week they got the Chiefs. They're going to get railroaded. They're going to get the zero and three. Um, so no, no, nothing that looks good for the Bears. And I think they're racing for the number one pick. I just wanted on record that it was completely overshadowed by it. it my 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 notorious Jalen Hurts <laughs> won't be yeah. the uh, the QB for the Eagles. Started by me saying that Justin Fields won't be the QB for the Bears after next season, which is this season. Yeah, uh, and I said that right after the Super Bowl last year. I think I think we're just seeing it. I never got what Bears fans saw on that, uh, but you know. I, I, I think I'll settle oh, for one for one in that pick. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was pretty bad. We all have you know those like out there takes that you know end and up. I'll say it was to illustrate faces, a point. But... All right, it wasn't. I didn't genuinely. <laughs> okay, you don't, okay. Quali- you don't need to qualify it anymore. We, we it's all it's out there. You know, you said it. It, it is what it is. I do recognize you put Justin Fields in there, but yeah, I, I agree with I agree 100 percent with what's said. Obviously, it pains me as an Ohio State fan to see Justin Fields struggling this much, but. Yeah, I think that he's just, he's an example of like the reason why, you know, us as fantasy football fans and like people who play fantasy football sometimes like, you know, we can't, you can't allow that to drive the narrative on a player like in real life too. Cuz like Justin Fields is one of those the only reason he was like super relevant was because of the rushing yards and why are the rushing yards really relevant if they're 3 and 13 while well, he's like killing it in fantasy leagues. So, like, even though he's a great – well, he hasn't even been a great fantasy quarterback this year, but he'll probably start running a little bit more. But, yeah, this is a this is a prime example of, like, you know, fantasy value doesn't really equate to real life. Brock Purdy has, like, literally zero fantasy value whatsoever, but he's an actual, like, quarterback and, like, real-life quarterback is, like, good enough to win games or whatever. Justin Fields is costing them games with his inability to hit open receivers and his bad decision-making. But, hey, he ran for 50 yards and a touchdown, so I won my fantasy league. That's kind of – <laughs> that's kind of been Justin Fields' career. That's why he's relevant. That's why he's talked about a lot. So, yeah, fantasy doesn't really equate to real life. I mean, I have him in fantasy, and I am already like so disappointed with what I'm seeing. Um, I'm not playing him this week. I'm playing Jared Goff over Justin Fields. That and I, I would live- preach. Pa- that I would preach patience on. I know this isn't the fantasy episode, but like he's going to eventually start running and realizing. Oh, eventually, I'm not cutting yeah. him. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, exactly. I'm starting Goff this week over on, Fields. But yeah. like, but for real life quarterback, yeah. The, the, if they go like zero and five, I think you have to really start thinking about like you know tanking for the number one overall pick and maybe benching him. Yeah. All right. Well, enough panic. Uh, We'll go into, well, something that the league may be panicking about, at least the running back market may be panicking about, and it's all the running back injuries we've seen the first couple weeks. Of course, we have the the just absolutely gruesome, uh, awful injury to Nick Chubb. Uh, Such a great guy, and um, he's been healthy and is running. Yeah, never. Yeah, he's never. But he's one of the few that like hadn't really gotten a major injury, and then he and then he gets hurt. Yeah, well, he had an injury in college on the same leg, which has been uh, much of like concern projecting his long term health and his ability to recover. This same leg, knee, he had a complete like reconstruction, ACL, MCL, the deal. Um, I saw a report yesterday that said that Nick Chubb's injury might isn't seen as season end or career ending rather. And it might just be a a regular ACL tear. So that's recoverable. It's not something that's so catastrophic. Like an Adrian Peterson sort of thing. Like, you know, when he tore his ACL and he came back and had that like huge season. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess what you hope for. Uh, He is, is he 26 now? So he's going to be 27. It's going to be a little bit harder to come back, but uh, you know, wish him all the best. Um, I think he's under contract for another year. 
So I think he should be good there. Uh, One thing I did look at is the Browns have him under contract next year and they do owe him money, but he has a $5 million dead cap figure. So there is a chance if Jerome Ford shows that he's viable as a starting running back this year, that they could cut Nick Chubb for relatively cheap. Um, So that's something to look out for. Uh, We also had J.K. Dobbins week one. I think we already talked about Mm -hmm. Uh, he's out for the year with a torn Achilles. That might be career ending just because of his other injuries. Mm -hmm. Of course, we got Jonathan Taylor on the physically unable to perform list right now. And it still is up in the air whether he's going to actually play uh, for the Colts. Of course, he is on the last year of his deal. But what is notable is that his deal will not run if he doesn't play at all this year. I think there's like a deadline of like, he has to be active by like week eight or nine in order for this year to count towards his contract. So at some point he's going to have to play, whether it's for the Colts or they trade him. Um, So there's just a lot of up in the air about the running backs. Um, You know, Taylor's been trying to lead the charge. Uh, Eckler tried to do it this summer and that failed. You got Jacobs and, Barkley tried to do it. That failed. Oh, Barkley, high ankle sprain. He's out and for a Eckler, couple weeks. Uh, you know, out indefinitely, basically. Yeah. Eckler out indefinitely. So these are all guys that were on one-year deals, basically. Taylor's on a one-year deal. Seeing what the, has happening to those guys, he might choose to sit. I, I just, I don't know. But it, rem- it be- leaves a huge question of, you know, you had some running backs who were really trying to fight the good fight, get some money, and then in the first two weeks, Basically, everything has proved why teams don't want to pay running back. So I just don't know. I just don't know how the situation gets fixed. Uh, do y'all have any thoughts? Well, my immediate thought is, first of all, you know, I really feel bad for especially especially Nick Chubb. Like that was that was awful. Um, you know, that that's just one of those things where he probably won't even be able to walk for another like month and a half or so. So like he's 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 really bad. Um I, I, so like I and for Dobbins specifically too, because again, Ohio State fan, I just I love J.K. Dobbins when he was with Ohio State. And thinking back when he was there, he was getting 20, 20 25 carries a game easy. All all throughout, you know, his he started for two years too. So like for two years he was like the starting running back and got that like super heavy workload. It's no wonder when he got to the league that I think I mentioned this on a previous episode. It's no wonder when some of the guys like that get into the league and they get injured early. It's like they had already had it's about like, you know, sort of mileage on the body at that point. It's not really as much about age. It's about like the amount of carries that you had, the amount of work, like the bigger workload that you had. Because like we mentioned Raheem Mostert earlier, earlier this year, he broke out at like 28, 29 because he was a special teamer for like six, seven years. And so then when he finally was forced to be a starting running back, even though he was a little bit older at the time, he was able to step in and be like, look like he was like 22, 23, because, you know, he hadn't had that amount of stress on his body to that point. I think that in terms of contracts and things like that, we need to, there, there's two things. One, I think now in college, you're going to have to have guys who are like, like, like the Bijan Robinsons of the world, who, you know, are going to be, you know, top draft picks they're going to have to go to their coaches and say, listen, I don't want to run, you know, 25 times like this game or whatever. And I don't want to do that. I want to preserve my body for an NFL so I can get a con so I can get a contract. And also another thing for running backs that I think will, will help them because obviously they're in pretty dire straits right now in terms of getting paid. I think that to me, they need to, they need to band together and, and like, they need to band together and say, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to practice a little bit less. I'm going to do a little bit less, you know, hitting drills and practice. I'm going to reduce my carries early in the season. But then, you know, once we start, you know, like getting into playoff time and stuff like that, then you can gradually increase my carries. Like it's going to have to be like a, like a, a conscious thing that they think about like all the time and like, and that they enforce sort of on their teams. So like, you know, even though, we're up by a bunch, put the backup running back in if we're up by so damn much. Like, you know, like put the backup, like, you know, like alternate the carries and stuff like that. They're, they have to be, they have to be the ones to sort of like, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. If you want me to carry the ball 20 times, I'm already at 17 carries. I'm sitting, you know, I've given you 17 carries. That's it. So I think that that's the type of thing that's going to get them. That's going to get the owner's attention. And it's also going to get them, you know, paid in the long run and extend their careers. So that's my kind of thoughts on that. I mean, I, I agree with you that I think that that might be necessary and that would uh, 
lengthen the career of those guys. My only problem with that is in practice, there's always going to be an, another guy, you know, the next man up theory. There's always going to be another guy who is willing to put in the 25 carries and prove themselves. And um, but then the next guy's going to get hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like the running back as a position, like when I say all of them, I don't just mean the elite ones. I mean, like all the running backs in the league, like have yeah. to realize that like, this is a very dangerous game you're playing. If you're just like, you know, when you're young, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel bad, you know, or whatever, but you like, but as you get a little bit older and old for them is like 26 now. So like now yeah. that they realize that they need to start, you know, consciously, reducing their carries, you know, there's going to be way more running back by committees now, I think. Like, the bell cow running back in five years might not exist, really. Yeah, I just, I guess I disagree, and I and I can't see all of the running backs. I think, you know, you know, your Barkley might might say that, but then Matt Breed is going to be like, well, put me in, coach, I'll, I'll, I'll carry all day. Uh, you know, if CMC said that, Elijah Mitchell is being going to be like, put me in, coach, I'll carry it all day and try to outwork, get the starting job and get a little more money, you know, because those the the backup running backs are playing for, you know, million, two million dollar deals trying to get that. So I think um, I think it's really hard to say to the, that the backup running backs would do that. I think they would bite at the opportunity to prove themselves and uh, to continue to make money and stay in the league. So I think that's the, the only roadblock I see in practice. But I agree that it would be good and it would be the right thing for some of those guys to do to extend their career. Uh, and then there could be the counter argument that, okay, well, if you're only going to carry the ball 10 times, well, then why am I going to pay you $50 million? Like, you know, it's. Well, you're paying. <laughs> well, you're investing in more years. So, like, you're going to get more carries over time and more mileage out of me if I carry the ball less you know, early in the season. But I don't think teams are worried about that. And I think what the teams have shown with the running back is with like Derrick Henry. Well, Derrick Henry is an anomaly because he's had length and production. Certain guys like like him, I would say McCaffrey too, like at this point, like some of them are like, are different, but like for guys that are injury prone, you know, like I would say reduce my carries a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, Barkley already was on a one-year deal. They weren't reducing his carries. I mean, Breida wasn't getting carries when he was on the field. Jacobs either. Um, CMC is playing 100% of snaps in, in these games now. So I, I don't think that the teams, and I guess maybe it's just a different perspective, that I don't think the teams are concerned about having a running back for many years to come. I think teams look at running backs as, I want to squeeze you for all the juice that you're worth now. And then when you're, when the wells run dry, okay, we'll move on to the next one, next man up. So, I, I mean, I guess it's just like a, a, a profound difference and maybe certain owners look at it certain different ways. But um, yeah, I, I guess I disagree with the premise that teams want longevity and are willing to pay for less production for a longer period of time. I think if anything, you're more likely to get what Barkley got, a one-year $12 million deal. Okay, we're willing to bend and pay you this year, but if we're paying you, we're going to run you into the ground. And I think that that is the ultimate paradox in why it is so hard for running backs because they're the one position that the more they produce, the less they're worth, actually. That's never going to happen with a quarterback or a receiver. (laughs) Certainly not the quarterback. Yeah, you know, Daniel or, Jones got forty million dollars, and Kyler got like you know <laughs> one ninety and guaranteed and stuff. Yeah, right. So if you tell a running back go out and prove it, okay, they go out and prove it. They run themselves into the ground. They get <laughs> injured. Okay, now you're not worth anything. You tell a running back, uh, or the running back says, "Well, I'm not going to prove it." Well, then, okay, you didn't prove it, so you're not worth money. We're not going to pay you. So and it, it, it's the ultimate catch twenty two where there's not really a winning route and. um and that's why I don't I don't see a way out of it. Uh JP, do you have any thoughts? Not really. I've I've I don't like it, but I mean I don't know really like I don't know what you do about it to be honest. I just it's just sort of the ebb and flow of the game, I guess. I think that right now it's just the way it goes. Eventually the the playing the the, the cycle will circle around again. The running backs will have more power. Um I don't know. I guess I sort of advocate for more of a hands-off approach. Just sort of like, it'll fix itself. 
laissez-faire yeah, economy. Yeah, that, that is somewhat true because, like in the in the '70s and '80s, the running backs were like you know that that's that's what you needed to win a, to win a championship. Even the San Francisco 49ers with um, Joe Montana, they had Roger Craig, and mm-hmm. Roger Craig was basically what made their offense, like with Jerry Rice and the West Coast offense, work. Is because he could you know take a he could take a handoff you know like thirty or forty yards or whatever, and that opens up the passing game. So eventually you might get like how the Atlanta Falcons are kind of doing it right now where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're building an offense around a running back. If like an offense like that ends up becoming more unstoppable and more, yeah. you know, like in, in vogue or whatever, then the league will be like, I want the next let's, B. John Robinson. Give let's me, put it you like know. this. Yeah. The, this will fix itself the next time a running centric team wins the Super Bowl. Exactly. Um, if the, Fal- if the Falcons win the Super true. Bowl. Yeah, the Falcons win the Super Bowl. Bijan Robinson. Everybody's going to be like, I want, I want a Bijan Robinson now. So like that. That's kind of the what. That's kind of the way it goes. Now it's all about the passing game. It's all about the tight ends. It's in the, in the wide receivers and stuff like that. And the quarterbacks yeah. are getting paid or whatever. But yeah, that's that's what's that's what's happening. Yeah, you know, that's dual also, threat if you, the, yeah. if you look at the last Super Bowl winners, I mean, the Chiefs don't give a shit about the running game. The Patriots under Brady never really gave a shit. They had like the, Ram, yeah, the Rams didn't run it. The Rams didn't run it. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, uh, enough about running back market. I just want to touch briefly. We are uh, going a little long here, so let's touch briefly on the quarterback deals. Of course, highlighted by Patrick Mahomes' new deal. Um, what is interesting about Patrick Mahomes' new deal is he has, I think it's $210 million over the next four years, restructuring his long-term contract that he already had. And um, a couple years ago when he signed this 10-year deal, I mean, that's what we see in baseball. Quarter. In the NFL and certainly quarterbacks, we don't see ten-year deals. This was un unseen, unfathomable that it would happen, but it made sense because, of course, you want Patrick Mahomes locked in. I mean, he's outstanding. He's the best in the league, literally, um, bar none. Um, so they paid him ten years, four hundred fifty million, and when you look at forty-five million APY over ten years, I mean, a lot of the industry experts were saying that this was a steal by the Chiefs. Because you could project that in a year or two, exactly what happened. You have guys going over 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55 now. So, I mean, by the end of this, in four years, by the end of Mahomes' contract, I, we're going to have a $60 million quarterback. I mean, surely Tua's up, um, Trevor Lawrence is going to be due. And, I mean, in four years, Caleb Williams is going to be due. I mean, we're looking at that, like, you know, term uh anthony richardson cj stroud so that deal was always a steal for the chiefs and what mahomes did is he restructured his deal to put more of the money up front he is making 55 apy now i think that's the number um which is uh the new highest yearly pay and he said that he felt a responsibility to other quarterbacks to not be the person that teams negotiate against basically saying like Trevor Lawrence, why should we pay you $60 million a year when Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is making $45 million a year? Uh, so this is why he said he did it. Uh, I think it's a As if quarterbacks excuse. are starved for money right now, you know, the, right. The yeah. People are that, that like quarterbacks are struggling to get the contracts that they want, you know, Burrow yeah. and Herbert just broke the, broke the record. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't, I don't really think he was holding back the quarterback market. Is he deserving of it? Absolutely. If anybody is deserving of it, it's Patrick Mahomes. The last thing I'll say, and then I'll let, I'll let y'all uh, put your thoughts in, um, is I, I, for one, am disappointed in Patrick Mahomes. That is my reaction to this, is I am disappointed because I really believed that he was taking the Tom Brady approach in I don't need the best deal. I don't need top of the line money. I'm willing to take less. And when you sign a 10 year contract, you know that by year eight, nine, 10, your salary is going to be less than the league. The cap is going to go up. And I've highlighted this in previous episodes. Their, Their cap situation was amazing because of this. And I just think that he took that away by putting more of the money up front. Now, maybe those back end years now, there's going to be a lot of money. But in four years, what is he going to do? He's just going to get an extension and add more money in. So this really doesn't do anything to create the money on the back end. Um, I just think it was very predatory. I think um, 
I just think that Patrick Mahomes, yeah, I, I, I loved him. I cherished him because he was taking that approach and it worked. They won a Super Bowl last year without paying a top flight wide receiver. You know, they want to try to retain Chris Jones. He's only there for the rest of this year. They're probably not going to be able to afford him. They're not going to be able to afford a star receiver. They're struggling already. And what does he do? Goes and takes more money. I just think to me, this, and we can come back to this take too. This will prevent him from ever catching Tom Brady. At this point, he will Ooh. never catch Tom Brady's numbers. Ooh, and it's because he put the money first. Yeah, I mean, that, that last point definitely is, is something that we'll, we'll keep track of over the years. But the one thing I'll say is, like, I, I get what you're saying about being disappointed with Patrick Mahomes and, you know, uh, like, and like the fact that they don't have receivers and everything. And then now he takes more money and everything. The only thing I'll say is like two, well, two things. One, typically you, we've seen contracts like this given to guys for potential, right? Justin, like Justin Herbert got a record setting contract. J- Jalen Hurts before that got the record setting contract for potential and stuff like that. Mahomes is the only guy who like, you're not giving it on potential. He's already given you everything that you would have paid that for. 100%. So like, so in terms of that, like two, multiple Super Bowls, multiple MVPs, multiple Super Bowl MVPs. Like he's already given you everything and then some that you would have paid him for. You would have paid that amount of money for. So like you're just basically paying him for his work at that point. The only thing I'll say is like I'm going to reserve like being disappointed on Patrick Mahomes and everything because like he does deserve it. But the minute he complains about his lack of receiving core, then we're going back to this. You know what I'm saying? The minute he, you know, because like, you know, maybe maybe there's another Detroit. Maybe let's say. You know, five, six weeks from now, they're sitting at like seven and five and Sky Moore misses like a, you know, but Patrick Mahomes throws him open. He misses it in the end zone. They lose. They go like seven and six and Mahomes just has had enough and he like goes off on the Chiefs receiving. Court. Well, you shouldn't have taken the money. Dude. You shouldn't have taken the money. Yeah. So like, I'm going to wait and see like how he does with this. I mean, they won the Super Bowl last year with a relatively lax receiving core. Juju was a lot better than I think people think you know, was like, he, you're seeing the absence of him now being like a problem. You know, they've only scored, what, what is it, like 37 points in two games. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But the minute he starts complaining about his lack of receivers and like, you know, Kelsey retires two years from now and then he's like, where are my receivers at? Well, you took the money. So there you go. Yeah, I also absolutely. just want to throw in there that it, it seems a lot like a uh, Russell Wilson scenario. Uh, oh Jesus! No, no. Uh, okay, seriously, think about it. Russell Wilson took a massive fucking bag and then said, mm-hmm. "Why don't I have a good O line?" You know, mm-hmm. like that was the main point of contention in Seattle. It's like, why don't I ever have a good O line? Well, we're paying you the most amount of money in the NFL before he went to Denver and got a fucking massive contract extension with more money. Like it's uh, you're you're sitting here eating over thirty to forty percent of your entire team's cap space and being like why can't we afford anyone like you're gonna have to make a sacrifice at that point you have to realize that because you're making that much money you're gonna have to make a sacrifice i don't know if uh, uh, this move for me doesn't really like make that much of a difference in how i see Mahomes. like i don't blame yeah. him for wanting to get the bag but that being said he was taking the pay cut to win more games to have a better O-line, to have a better career. And it worked. It worked. worked. You saw it. And it worked. <laughs> but his priorities might have changed. He might want that bag more. The State Farm might be paying him, not paying him as much. You know, like, we, <laughs> we, we don't know. Maybe he, has another kid on the, maybe he has another kid on the way and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'm I sure think, he oh. has to keep paying for all of the lawsuits his family keeps getting into. You oh, know, yeah, like, Jackson Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jackson Mahomes legal fees. Yeah, exactly. But the one so, thing. You know, you don't know. You don't know. So, anyway, for one reason or another, he said, I want money more than winning. Which, like, yeah, fair. I can't judge you for it because, like, if you've I were won, the, the, you already won, and also if I were the best athlete in the world, and I'm chasing the ghost of Tom Brady or millions of dollars. I can't say that I want to do that. You know, I might just mm-hmm. take the bag. So, you know, I get what he's doing, but you know, I'm not going to judge him for it. Get your money, King. But I think we can all agree that, like, what he said about, like, not being the reason, like, he he took it because of somehow, like, you know, the quarterbacks would use him as an example was kind of bullshit. Like, I think we, I think we could agree. Yeah, I think we could agree. That's absolute that. bullshit. Like, yeah, that, no, was, that was ridiculous. <laughs> that was an absolute bullshit statement. It was a rationalization. Like, no, dude, you wanted to be the highest paid. You saw what the other guys got, and that's what you wanted. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I called it a convenient excuse because I think it was the rationalization at like to, to make himself not look bad, but I, to, to give the benefit of the doubt, the devil's advocate, um, you know, I took, well, I, I sat around some sports contracts classes, uh, in, in law school and, um, this is kind of like how those contract negotiations will go. You know, the team will say, you know, that you look for comps, right? So if a team is trying to compare and, you know, you say, oh, well, you know, the team would say Patrick Mahomes is only making this much. Or why, why should we pay you more than Patrick Mahomes? So I do think that is a, a narrative or a theory that would be used in a negotiation, but we've just had five quarterbacks this offseason that overcame it. So I you know, I don't I don't think that it was actually a reason. I think it is something that is said, but I don't think that it was holding anybody back. Um evidenced by, yeah, Burrow, uh Lamar, Hertz, um was Justin there Herbert. Else? Yeah, Justin Herbert. Herbert. I you know I love Justin Herbert. He hasn't won a playoff game and he's getting paid like he hasn't you know, fifty won a playoff million. Game. So he hasn't like, it. so it's about potential and like I said before, like there's no potential with Patrick Mahomes. Like you are paying him for what he's already done. So like mm-hmm. in that sense, he does deserve it. So like I'm not really mad at it. That's yeah. my take there. I don't think I don't think anyone's questioning that Patrick Mahomes doesn't fucking deserve it. Exactly. I think everyone, yeah. Thanks for it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who 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 out there will say, nah, he shouldn't be he shouldn't be paid that much. Yeah. Um anyways. Well, that was a good solidarity ending, and uh we've gone a little over time what we like to try to keep it at, but we've had some really good discussions, so keeping it all in. Running back market, quarterback market, um, we'll see how it moves forward. But that's it for this one. Um we'll be back with a fantasy embedding episode. And uh, so come tune in for that. We'll hear from you next time. Peace.